This is a Balanced Brain Podcast with your hosts, Melanie Nicholson and Sean Clift. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Balanced Brain Podcast. My name is Sean Clift and I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Melanie Nicholson. Melanie, how are you going? I'm great, thanks, Sean. How are you going? Yeah, pretty good. I know you're still in lockdown there in Newcastle, still in which lockdown. is um, must be tough for you down there. Yeah, it's, but the podcast is saving me. It gives me something, a creative outlet, so it's good. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, we've got a fantastic episode um, today. We've got some very good friends of mine joining me out here at the beautiful Mount Pleasant, which is about an hour drive northwest of Brisbane, in a little country area out here. And I'm joined by two of my very good friends, Sabrina Laurie and Ben Kurzweil. Sabrina, Ben, welcome to the Balanced Brain Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Welcome, Ben and Sabrina. Hello. So I've known Sabrina for, geez, Sabrina, how long? It must be 15 years. Oh, yeah. Be pretty close oh, to that. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I don't even know how long. It's been a long time. Sabrina and I have done a lot of work together over the years on um, Sabrina's music project, Sabrina Laurie. Um, Ben is Sabrina's partner. Ben and I have known each other for a couple of years now. (laughs) And Ben was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer, glioblastoma. Have I said that right? That's right. About two years ago. So, Ben, starting off, how are you feeling? Feeling uh, all right. I uh, at at the, at the moment got the got uh, got the the, the new um, the new plan, and it's it's going pretty good. I'm I'm feeling pretty good, moment. Great. Look, before we get started, I want to ask you about something really interesting, which is word finding. Can you tell us what word finding is and how it's affecting things? Yeah, that's uh, it. Interesting thing is, is that prior to this brain cancer thing, I was very well known as someone who could talk very well. And I had all these huge, big words. And I was very, very good at it. And uh, it so happens that the exact part of the brain that the initial uh, thing uh, hit is actually called the word finding part of the brain. <laughs> so it's it's, it's like funny. The left yeah. frontal lobe. But yeah. Ben Ben yeah. will say it, but Ben still uses words that I don't even know what they mean. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow you can still pull some crazy words out of your head. Well, in a big coincidence, that's where I had my um, brain injury as well, a hit to the, the frontal lobe, and I had the word finding thing. And um, I was deeply passionate, obviously, still am about words too. So that was a big thing um, as well. But I also had, yeah, my brother and sister used to say, oh, oh, but you can still find words that we can't find. But, yeah, I found it really interesting too, Ben. Like, yeah, the word finding was was a massive thing and I'd come out with, you know, weird words when I was supposed to say other things and that was, I didn't know that I'd said them until they came out. Yeah, I thought we'd just mention that straight up at the start of the podcast because, um, you know, Ben sometimes will struggle to find the right words and so Sabrina will have to help out. Is that the way it's really going to play out for you guys, isn't it, at times? Yes. Word finding, that is, that is exactly it. All right, let's go back to the start. What happened two years ago? How did you find out? How did it all come about? Yeah, so me and uh, Sabrina here, um, 
decided to go to the hospital. I'll tell the first part and Sabrina will be able to tell the full story far cogently than me. <laughs> see, see, that was that word, cogently. There we go, cogently. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, suffice to say, um, we ended up in the hospital because a doctor um, thought he saw something in my mood and my talking uh, one day and said, you better go into the, uh, uh, the, the hospital and off I went. And um, they found all this stuff. You tell the story. <laughs> yeah, they did. They, they found something. So we thought Ben had a cold, like a really bad cold. Um, and then he took a couple of days off work. And then on about the third or fourth day, he started vomiting and he had to drive me to an appointment because I wasn't allowed to drive after getting an operation that day. And um, halfway to the appointment, he just had to pull over and start vomiting on the side of the road. And it was just really weird. And so after my appointment, I said, I'm taking you to the doctor, much against <laughs> Ben's will. He just wanted to ride it out. We just thought it would get better and thought maybe the doctor would give us some pain medication and sleepy medication and get over it. But in the waiting room, Ben forgot his middle name, which was really unusual. It was a bit of a red flag and the, the doctor tested a couple of other things um, and sent him straight to emergency and, and they, they took him straight in and um, in an initial CAT scan, they found a mass and came back to us and said, we have found some, um, what do they call it? A lesion? A lesion, um, which was really hugely shocking mm. to both of us in that moment. It certainly was. Uh, and then, so they had to do a further scan, an MRI, so they could see a little deeper. Uh, and that revealed the size of it and that it was of great concern to them. Um, and at that point, we just knew that there was a growth in his brain that they had to operate on urgently. And, as and, in that and, night. and that all happened in that night? That all happened within four hours wow. of getting to emergency from that morning being at home, taking me to an appointment. And they, they told us they needed to operate straight away. And um, yeah, so it was state of origin here in Brisbane that night. And a lot of emergencies were coming in um, around Brisbane, people that had critical conditions that needed urgent care. So they had to push the operation back to the morning, the next morning. Um, so Ben stayed in overnight waiting for this operation and dealing with the onset of the um, effects of the tumour that, that it was having on his own there. The hospital was It totally must have been um, a completely intense experience for that, that first night. How did you cope with that? And what, what were you feeling at the time? Um, they did sort of sleep me up a little bit, which, which was good. The, oh gee, the, the, the whole experience of, of waiting for some kind of diagnosis I remember just sort of me and Sab sitting there and 
at the time, Sabrina had quite a, quite a lot going with her back. And so I was doing a lot of help um, dealing with her, her issues. And then all of a sudden it turns around and I, you know, become quite sick. So I'm, I'm just trying to, um, you know, read the whole thing as it was happening. And um, yeah, what can I say? <laughs> it was interesting. So yeah. then that night, like when you had to wait for the operation the next morning, like we, we, I know that they've given you sleep and pain medication, but what, um, what was going through your mind? Like what, before you knew actually what was really the diagnosis, like how, how was that night in hospital waiting for that? Uh, that night in hospital was certainly um, quite, quite feeling quite sick. They gave me uh, a couple of different sort of pills that would you know, sleep me. Uh, so I was getting a very sleepy um, and uh, just sort of woke up. Um, and uh, the main thing I do remember is 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 feeling quite um, quite relaxed actually about the whole the whole process of getting put into the um, the actual thing where they you know they take a little bit of the um, the operating room yeah you were pretty relaxed when they wheeled you off have the surgery you were kind yes. of you were cracking jokes okay <laughs> <laughs> he's been given a lot of drugs <laughs> so what happened then so the surgery was yeah. the next day yeah so the the surgery was the next day and um uh yeah of course don't remember any of that <laughs> at all i was gone and um yeah when when i when i woke up um yeah pretty tired do you pretty... remember when you woke up at the hospital after the surgery and do you remember that uh, very vaguely i i have this um memory of one of them like had to like shout at me something yeah because you kept wanting to stand up to you just kept wanting to rip off all the like yeah medical stuff that was stuck to you and the, the cat you're like i just want to get up and go to the toilet by myself because <laughs> yeah. they they yeah you couldn't you couldn't do that and um but when you first woke up your your family were all around you in the bed everyone had come to see you and see if you were okay and that was actually really emotional but also really funny as well it's weird yes because because it was so soon after the operation and with the swelling from the operation and because it, they told us they told us and warned us that you would have a, a a period straight after the operation where your brain was swollen so much you wouldn't be able to remember properly and use words mm. properly which was yes. quite alarming 
and quite funny at the same time because some of the things you said, I can't remember exactly what you were saying, but your brother was playing with you about it, like right. asking you things because your responses were so funny. Yeah. I can't even Can you remember, remember that. that. No, <laughs> I can't remember that yeah. at all. So how how long did it take to recover from that operation? Was it was there was there pain or was there some side effects after that? Or how did it sort of affect you in the immediate term after that initial operation? Um, so I, as Sabrina was sort of mentioning that the initial word finding. Um, uh, issues that started immediately were were pretty a lot worse than than today. Put it that way. And the 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 weird thing about this whole word finding thing is that if I could explain this to people, if I'm just if I'm if I'm just not talking, but I'm just having a conversation with myself in my head. I'm like perfect. <laughs> I can find all the words and everything's just completely and utterly normal. As soon as you you literally have to have to find the actual word, that's that's the difficult thing. That's why it's called word finding. <laughs> uh, but uh, where were we at? What? We were at the Royal Brisbane Hospital. So yeah. every like every time they come around to do the the um, the obs observations, like every two hours or whatever, they they will ask Ben. And so on his, beside the bed where he was, um, they would ask him where he was and what the date was, who the prime minister is, <laughs> <laughs> that that kind of thing. And it took quite a few days before. Uh, you could recall that stuff. Yeah, there was there was one particular sort of thing. Do you remember that was if I, if I could remember this particular one little sentence, then I could. Oh yeah, could that's go. how we started doing to remember this. the rewiring of the brain. I was like, we're like, okay, we're gonna get this next time. I'm like, okay, let's just try to remember this, the start of it. They're gonna ask you, where are you? And you, and if Ben could remember. To, to where he was, we go, the Royal Brisbane Hospital, the Royal Brisbane Hospital. If he could remember that himself, then the rest would flow after it. It, it started becoming like little exercises that we were doing in the hospital because I suppose the sooner that he could figure that stuff out, the sooner we could get the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> so Sabrina, I've known you for a very long time. Yeah. And if I could guess correctly, I bet you went straight into research and what you were going to do about this so what happened? Yeah. how'd you go yeah it was pretty wild those first few weeks were basically research 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 just you know and I remember the first thing I looked up on the internet um when the doctor said to us a few days after Ben was recovering because they had to do a biopsy. So we didn't know for like four days after the operation that it was glioblastoma. And that day he said to us, now don't go home and Google glioblastoma and sit there looking at all the results that come up when you Google glioblastoma. 
And of course I went home, I Googled glioblastoma and <laughs> started reading, started reading five minutes. And then I watched one video of a woman with her uh, partner who had just passed away and she'd posted this photo of her with him like a few days before he passed. And I just looked at that photo and it, the image immediately struck an emotion of like devastation and distress in me. And I immediately went, no, I am not going to allow myself to go down that road of that energy and that vibration. And I didn't look at any more things about glioblastoma after that, other than I switched my research and my searching on the internet to um, survival stories and clinical research and um, data in other countries I found. So we were lucky to have um, the drummer in my band, his wife worked in the medical industry in America and she was familiar with glioblastoma and had access to some um, clinical trials that they'd done with uh, things like broccoli sprouts and sulforaphane, which is what happens when you chew broccoli sprouts or any um, cruciferous vegetable. Um, that helps cross <coughs> the blood-brain barrier, which is part of the reason this cancer is so difficult to treat because a lot of the drugs don't cross the barrier. Anyway, she sent us a bunch of stuff and that got us on our way. And then, you know, a week or two after getting home, there's no more time to do any research. And so I would ask anyone that asked us how they could help. I started asking anyone that asked, you can do some research, please help us do some research, please help us do some research. Yeah. So people started sending me their research and that was how we kind of formed our own approach to healing and what to do because the traditional mechanism of the hospital path, um, you know, they deal in acute care. So they, there's a tumour, we take it out, here's what you can do. Go home, live your best life, eat uh, from the food pyramid. We'll see you soon to start radiation and chemotherapy. And, you know, you specifically ask if there's any sort of supportive foods or specific things we could do that would help. And they can't give you an yeah. any support or answers for that. So it was really our network of support and just believing that that is not what's going to happen with Ben. You know? Yeah, I think that belief's really important. And so what, and what else other than diet what other things did you look at like what were you reading about that you tried and were happy with the results well yeah um music is the one of the biggest things because that's a good way to sort of explain to people what what it's kind of like because we we talked about the word finding thing but where it, it's it's called word finding there's a whole bunch of like complicated things about say setting up the, how we record the music and everything that's totally and utterly unaffected. Yeah. So Ben <clears throat> is a producer. So he, he's, you know, been recording with Pro Tools. Um, and for anyone that isn't a musician or works in the industry, 
that's a digital um, program where you program music on the computer and record. And so I know that one of Ben's greatest fears coming out of that operation was that he would have maybe lost some of the capacity to be able to record and use the computer in that way. Um, and I distinctly remember the day you sat down, which was a good couple of days after you'd gotten home from the hospital and you were waiting because mm -hmm. you were nervous about whether you could or not. And it would have been completely devastating if you couldn't. <laughs> and luckily it came back. I remember at first it was, there was some black holes and some blank places yeah. that where do I go? How do I save this? How yeah. does I press record? Wait on. But once you sat back for a second and really reached for it in your mind, you found it. Yeah, there are many experiences, um, many um, aspects of this experience that if people could experience it, you know, how, uh, like, for example, if, if I could explain my experience of what Sab was, was describing, it's almost too hard to explain what it's, what it's like. To, to, to experience it. Well, Ben, I know that music for you is a massive part of your life, massive part of your life. It, it must have been quite frightening to think that you may not be able to do it. So it must have been a massive relief when you started to, you know, train your brain again to start working on the computer and start working with instruments again. And that must have been a, a bit of a healing process in itself to know that your brain could start you know, firing back into those areas. Definitely, like uh, the the exact moment that Sabrina was just mentioning about was where I actually learned or realised that what actually happens is that you, uh, in, in, in your mind, you imagine something you're trying to learn that used to be, you used to just know it. Uh, and it is an initial fear that you try things and then you couldn't remember things. But the, the exact moment that Sabrina was sort of mentioning was the day where I actually, instead of being worried that I'd lost a skill, I could actually one by one just rebuild them. So it's like a memory that wasn't there, but could so easily be replaced. That's a, it's a interesting Well, that was thing. a powerful tool in itself because in realising that gave you a little bit of hope to believe that you could take steps to overcome what you were dealing with. And... I suppose, believe a bit more. I mean, some of the other things we were doing was was also relative to music where every night we would um, listen to different frequencies um, of sound. And I know a lot of people these days are listening to binaural beats and other frequencies like that. So we were listening to frequencies that activate pineal gland and um, frequencies for healing 
um, in 432 hertz. And we listened to a lot of 432 hertz, actually. Isn't that, we that's were, the we perfect hertz, because so, I've, I've looked into that myself, and that's like the, the healing, like that's the perfect level of healing, 432, and that's what music is satisfied. Is that, that's what I've looked into yeah. it and done the beats. That's right, yeah. And so we would just try and find the pure tone because a lot of the things you look up on YouTube can have like all mm. music going on as well. But if you, you can find just the frequency on its own, it's really annoying at first. It's just like, just like a singer. But if you leave it on for an extended period, it sort of disappears and the frequency starts, you kind of just start resonating with it and it starts working with you. Yeah. So that was a really big part of what we were doing, getting up earlier. Uh, and we were going for walks in nature every day, making sure for at least an hour every day to go into nature and go for a walk. Um, just connect with that energy as well. Um, and a lot of diet stuff, um, even the water we were drinking, yeah, well, can you elaborate on that? What's I mean, I've I just came over this evening. You you showed me your reverse osmosis um, filtration system. So, what's what's some of those things around diet and water that you found really important? Definitely, water was a primary thing. So, we've learnt a lot more now in the two years that we've been well that Ben has been living with glioblastoma. Um, we moved to the bush as soon as we could find a place so that we could be on rainwater instead of town water and um we had an alkaline filtration system that we were using and it's only recently um been in the last three months actually the tumor has resurged um and we have been bombarded with a whole new modality of other supportive healing that we didn't um, ha have our heads across until now we've tapped into a network of people which is amazing so we've got a reverse osmosis filter just put onto the house this week um, which luckily for me my sister and her husband own a water filtration company uh, most people couldn't afford to just go and drop a few grand on a reverse osmosis filter and they've gifted that to us so we are so grateful <laughs> and yeah it's pretty amazing so rainwater and reverse osmosis um we uh also eat all organic and we were mostly just plant-based and recently with the new um, progression that's happening, we've been working with a supportive oncologist doing some integrative therapy. And um, so Ben has just started on a keto diet where they want him to do hardcore keto for two months on one month off, two months on one month off to trigger the cancer cells into confusion. Okay. So because the brain cells feed on sugars, the keto diet um, takes away those sugars and the brain has a backup plan. 
So the brain cells go, oh, there's, there's no sugars, there's fats though. It switches to feed off the fats, but the cancer cells theoretically aren't wired that way uh, and they get confused. And so the, the concept is tricking them and tricking them back and tricking them and yeah, and at the same time bombarding them with a whole range of other supportive therapies that we're doing, which do you want to talk about some of those, Benny? Well, one thing that I thought a lot of people would would find interesting or funny or even a similar experience was uh, prior to this, we we had taken pretty much most of uh, meat from our diet. So um, every, every, all of a sudden, I'm being told we have to eat, I have to eat a certain amount of meat, which is really very, very, very strange. Having got to the point of um, sort of being one of those anti-meat um well we kind people. of made, made choices to not eat meat to support how we feel about our contribution to the state of the climate and the planet and our own how we feel when we eat less meat but as i mentioned just in recent months there's been a resurgence of the tumor so we are calling this sort of radical action. So mm -hmm. if this is what this supportive therapist suggests to us, and she's got other clients that have the same thing as Ben that have been surviving it, then we are giving that a bloody go. Yeah. And it's pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had lamb chops tonight for the first time in two years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yes, that that is the that, that is the the number one feeling of food. Uh, whether whether you're uh, for meat or against meat, there's one thing. It's, it just tastes really good. <laughs> <laughs> and then what about some other thing? Like we're seeing a lot more around um, medicinal mar marijuana and um, it's big over in the US using it for that. Have you guys tried that? Yeah, or what, well, what's... it's absolutely, it's a huge, huge part of, there is enormous amounts of research and evidence for this GBM. They also call glioblastoma GBM, so I might refer to it as that. Um, for THC and, and um, CBD. And we found our own road to that in the very beginning. We had one week between him getting diagnosed and the radiation starting. And there, back two years ago in Brisbane in Australia, the landscape of legal avenues to get our hands on it within a week for the kind of cancer that Ben had wasn't mm. gonna happen. And we're like, this is life and death, life or death. Um, we're going to do whatever the hell we can to find what we need. And again, our friend um, who worked in the American medical industry gave us some uh, research papers about this particular cancer, what um, ratios of THC to CBD you would need. 
um, and the different strains and how to use it in conjunction with radiation specifically and in conjunction with chemotherapy. So we, um, I mean, in Southeast Queensland, I mean, all around Australia, a lot of people get their cannabis medicine from Nimbin. And there's, you know, there's a, uh, what would you call it? A lot of people can say there's been a stigma around Nimbin and marijuana for a long time, but things are changing and they are bringing in some of the highest grade medicinal medicine. There are children, there are old people, there are people with cancer coming in and out of that place for medicine that they need that's keeping them alive, keeping their cancers at bay and keeping them away from pain, from being in pain. People do not need to suffer as much as they do um, with access to this incredible plant medicine. And we are going to tell you something that's quite vulnerable for us and that we actually ran out of one of the medicines that Ben has been using for two years um, with COVID when the borders closed. You can order your medicine in the mail and we were really nervous about that because it's illegal and you have to send money and it was scary so we didn't and we thought we would wait and we feel like that has having missing that medicine when we did feel like that has contributed to the resurgence of the tumor and one thing that we're really grateful now is we just went bugger it let's send it we have to get this now let's just send the money and it came <laughs> and so we're back on the program we're actually we're lucky enough to speak with somebody who um whose wife was riddled with cancers all different kinds of cancers actually not specifically brain cancer but there is huge evidence for gbm and she um, is an advocate now, and he was able to guide us in how Ben should take this medicine specific to his cancer. And um, happy to say you're up to 10 drops a day, which was the goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, theoretically, the THC and the, the three different cannabinoid receptors in the brain, um with the mix of the, the thc at this level with cbd um causes the cancer cells to go into a state of apoptosis which is where they commit suicide so that paired with ben's doing oxygen hyperbaric machine at the moment he's getting vitamin c injection therapy um he's getting tbm which is total body modification he's getting up exercising every day we're doing yoga we're kind of a whole modality of different things under like a forest of healing rather than just trying to deal with one thing, which is the tree, which is the cancer. It's, it's so much more than that. And it's, it's given us an insight into deeper healing, healing more than just a cancer. Yeah. I mean, we, we, um, we could go on and on and on, couldn't we, about all the things that we've learned. We could. And we hope that if anybody else out there is on a glioblastoma journey, we we are open to talking as well. Well, absolutely. If anybody wants to reach out to you guys and, well, yeah, we'll, 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 and we'll in touch with us. get some links to 
Because we wouldn't know half the things we've found out if it wasn't for other people talking yeah. one person to another person. You know, it's not, it's not out there in the news and mainstream information for everybody. The doctors aren't telling you what to do. It's finding your own journey to your own healing and um, sharing your experience really gave us so much. Yeah, and like in in Australia, in Australia's form of um, you know hospital medicinal sort of stuff, when you're really sick or something's going on, um, then um, we 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 have this lucky situation, um, unlike a lot of countries where you know we don't have to spend a lot of money um, and we have this you know beautiful system that helps us with all our ailments and everything but as well that is quite a is quite a stressed and, and imperfect system so that's a really interesting thing to have learned um, is that you know all these all these incredible people that are doing all this wonderful work in in this Australian system that we have, which which is so amazing that we don't have to spend all this money to, to for, for the operation for what they do, yeah. um, but uh, as as well um, there are like for example the uh, the THC. Um, why, yeah, it, it just beggars belief that there's so many places around the world that are accepting this as um, something very helpful and not for people just in my situation in, in many different ways. And we do have to pay respects to the changes that have happened in this country. It's great to see. Um, that you can now go and approach a GP um, Correct. and find yes. your pathway to a legal supply of, of you know, uh, cannabis medicine. But I think some of the GPs don't have the long-term experience with it um, that um, helps to, to give the right kinds of dosages. But um, it is great to see that change is happening. So, guys, it's been obviously a very emotional journey over the last couple of years. I'd like to talk about how you've handled things on a more sort of spiritual level, you know, how, how have you handled the emotions? So I know you guys are, um, are really big into meditation. Melanie and I are very big advocates of meditation. In fact, our last episode was dedicated uh, just to meditation. What, what's your guys' approach to meditation? You know, if you can give give us some ideas on 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 what your thoughts are for meditation, how you go about it, what some methods you use, and if if people that are listening are starting their own journey on meditation, what advice would you give them? Um, yeah, I think first of all, one really poignant um, point is <laughs> we Ben and I um, respond to different forms of meditation so I might go I, I usually do my own meditation at night before I go to bed in my own personal space in my head or 
I'm a really fast paced person. So even me just driving for an hour, I can put myself into a meditative state. Um, while I'm doing things, I'm sort of, I'm being mindful to, to be more present. Um, whereas for Ben, he has a different way of reaching that mindful meditative state, which is you've developed um, a kind of a habit now um, where you've been listening to Dr. Joe Dispenza and you've you started out with a, the 20 minute um, morning meditations. Mm. I've and done that one myself quite a few times. It's yeah, very good. It's really great. I love it. And sort of putting a bit more emphasis on starting and ending the day in the energy of gratitude um, and, and so, sort of waking up and trying to, instead of grab for the phone to look at the time and start scrolling through social media, to stop and take a deep breath and think about a bunch of things you're grateful for consciously and then get up. Um, and then at the end of the day, refer back to what those those um, feelings of gratitude were and reconnect with that energy again and do some deep breathing before sleep. And, and you'll put, um, Ben likes to go to bed to the sound of rain. So he's found yeah. on YouTube, yeah, the yeah, sound yeah. of rain and puts that on. And that's kind of a form of meditation as well. And um, we often go for walks in the morning and couple of days a week we we live not far from a four-wheel drive track up into the Diagula Ranges at the, the end of our street here so we drive up there park the car on the way and then get out and start walking and a couple of times we'll just sit on the mountain and pull out a Joe Dispenza and do 20 minutes meditating in the middle of a walk and he's even got a walking meditation we tried that yeah yeah <laughs> So you guys, you know, heavily into music and, and you know, me, I'm a musician as well and, and I find that sometimes even playing music, you get into a meditative state because you're kind of in the present but you, you really need to be focusing on what other musicians do and then, you, you know, your sort of brain switches into that automatic mode. Let's talk about the music. It's a big part of your lives. You guys have got a duo together, Bast and Move. Let's talk about that. Who's Bast? Who's Move? I Bast, um, based on the cat... Egyptian cat goddess um, and yeah that came about when I was a solo artist I was a rock musician and I wanted to be find a, a, a way to release some of the hip-hop songs I was writing behind the scenes at home um, <laughs> and I was talking to my auntie one day and she's she's talking to me about cats like Sabrina you've got to do something people will want to watch she's like everyone loves cats they love watching cats I'm like yeah well, I can't call myself cat <laughs> or pussy cat or anyway she's like bast just call yourself bast and I, I was going for that name for a while about a year or two and then Ben and I started um writing songs together again after many many years and um you came up with the idea of move I'm like, we can be best in something. You just think about yeah. what you want to be. And it took a while and you, you landed on move. Why move, Ben? Uh, the, it, the, the, the funny thing is, is that 
it really is just descriptive of the word. I can't explain it other than um, than you're you're trying to envisage yourself, um, you know, making a, a step upon a, a, upon a, to another from one place to the next, and and that is from um, no riff into a new riff no song into a new song <laughs> yeah move um it's yeah it's very descriptive and it was at a time that you were really digging to try and get yourself some motivation because it hasn't been two years of all roses and lollipops it's been there's been some really deep dives peaks and troughs mm. and you know when you go into those dark hard moments where we're just trying to get and things are really challenging um you're not really reaching out to people and a lot of people don't know that's happening because you're just like in it and i think i remember we we were it was coming out of the end of like a bit of a run couple of months of really challenging stuff and um yeah you 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 stumbled upon a motivation for yourself to um overcome whatever darkness was happening by moving i remember you were talking about Mm. gotta get up i've got to move and just move through this and move forward yeah and then a friend of ours craig uh gave us the idea of (laughs) making (coughs) not and but end in the the middle and it became best and move so guys you, you guys are professional musicians and producers and you've got your own studio so obviously, you know, making music's you know part of your life. It's part. It's your, it's your occupation. But tell me about the the spiritual side of music. How's it been a healing journey for you? Yeah, my to my mind, it always it had always centered around this concept that a musical idea or concept it's not real. It's just some thing but to to what it feels like to me is that as soon as that music or idea is is sort of born somewhere then it's kind of infecting you until you actually get it out (laughs) it's like i remember listening to the author who wrote love eat pray is that it yeah elizabeth like I really resonated with what she had to say about an idea, right? And creating an idea. And she said she would just, it was as if she was running through the fields and an idea would just like be coming from over here and she'd collide with it. And then all of a sudden it was in her and go through her and like creativity. It's, you know, when you, and there's something that really resonated in that for me. And I think for us dealing with this experience and having music as a vessel to express the emotions that can't be really expressed in conversation with other people, some of the emotions are just so dense that you don't want to put that onto anybody else. And so instead of us just carrying it, I suppose, the uh, music 
became the vessel for uh, just a way to release such intense emotions. Yeah, and it's, an, it's, another, it's another way of seeing as well the difference between people and how people think because uh, I try and tell people about, about you know, has the, the many moments, just me and Sabrina, being in a room or uh, making music on Pro Tools and got the microphones, everything. And what what she does is, to me is quite amazing when, when she's working on vocals and she'll just sit there um, and we'll have something going on the computer, usually just musical. And she'll just sit there and like instantly come up with these lyrics and uh, and notes and just do it immediately it's crazy whereas but for me to to write lyrics and melodies uh, you know it's quite a chore you know so i, I think thank you darling for <laughs> saying that um and i think i think that's what makes our music collaboration such a beautiful thing because Ben has the same thing when it comes to making beat and melodies. So he, 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 I can't do what he does in that way. So he's just flowing out all these beats and bass lines and programming them down. And then I'm just hearing all these, it's like creating an energy in the music. Um, and the emotion of that, I'm just inspires all these words to come out. So it's truly collaborative in that way. Guys, I was really lucky enough to be out here, actually, Mount Pleasant, out on your, out in the area near your property, when you guys did the video clip for your first single, um, Dancing on the Sun. I found that a really spiritual experience. We'll put some links um, to the video on our socials and stuff like that so people can have a look. But tell me about that video because I found it very special just to be part of it. So give us a rundown on, on, <laughs> on what it was, what happened what the concept was and, and you know, what, why, you know, it was such a special moment for you guys. It was pretty out there. Um, we painted Ben up in all white, much to his dismay on the morning of the video, even though I had mentioned to him, yeah. so you're going to wear white underwear, <laughs> we're going to paint your body white, okay? Are you cool with that? Yeah, if it's going to look good, I'll do it. <laughs> like, great, great come to the morning of the video, I'm like, okay, Ben, here's your white undies. Um, and now go in there, everyone will be here in half an hour. I've just got to paint you white. And he's like, what? That's it? There's nothing else? Hang on. You kind of freaked out in that moment, didn't you? Yeah, this is true, actually. But but I, I will say that I ended up finding this moment there that was just like, just go with it. <laughs> yeah, you really surrender. You surrendered to the concept and to the bigger picture, which was really awesome. And basically Ben was an interdimensional um, time traveller representing um, higher self and, and spirit. And his daughter, Azua, was the other character in the video and she was sensing him as... Uh, her higher self intuition and just following through nature um, where, um, you know, 
your highest connection to spirit, I suppose, can happen often in nature. Ben would be coming in through this pyramid that our friend made for us out of bamboo and um, he would walk through an area and then disappear and then his daughter Azua would appear and walk through following what she felt in her intuition that she was guided by something, a higher energy. Yeah, and in the end they come together and unifying and it has a unity energy to it at the end. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> so beautiful area out here and you guys have sort of surrounded yourself with nature. Yes, and you've we surrounded on, yourself with gardening. I'd like to say that we are on Gubby Gubby land and we take great honour um, to live here and um, do this work on this land and pay respect to the traditional owners of this land, elders past, present and emerging. You recently did a horticulture course, I understand. Tell yes. us about that. What does horticulture mean for you? Oh, permaculture, sorry. Permaculture, permaculture. yeah. Give us a rundown. Permaculture, well, um, earth care, people care and fair share is kind of the basis of permaculture. Um, and uh, I suppose it's, it's about living more sustainably and living more in connection with uh, the things you have, your own resources and trying to... Um, work towards replicating the systems that nature already uses um, to survive um, by growing your own food and, and setting up systems within your own living space, whether that's in the bush or on a farm or in a flat um, and finding ways to um, set up sustainability and um, support the soil um, support the health of your soil and build on that rather than um, take it away and contribute to uh, the, the climate crisis. <laughs> so, Ben, you have really immersed yourself in gardening and the gardening practices. Yeah. How's that been a benefit for you? Well, um, physicality, um, it's, it's uh, very easy... For example, even just sort of the fact that you're you're not working like <laughs> you know you spent your entire life you know like working you know doing a job uh, and that in this sort of situation stops so you don't uh, you don't stop working <laughs> uh, because you, we do, we're doing the the, the gardeny stuff and the music stuff. So actually I'm quite. It be, it's become kind of like our life's work. It's become more meaningful work. It's like, I remember just this week, I pulled out my notes from the permaculture course. And I just, whenever anyone said something that I thought was just beautiful, I was just all through my book, there's all these little lines, one liners. And one thing was everything gardens. It's like, oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> it's kind of like. Now, we garden, but you, you notice the more you garden, then the garden shows you what it's doing and you learn yeah. from the garden because it's kind of doing its garden. It's, it's gardening, you know, nature gardens, um, it's nurture. Yeah. And like a, a part of what I was, you know, describing a, a, a about a little bit earlier was 
I use my physicality, uh, like I'm, I'm strong and I can push things around and um, Sam knows everything, but because of her... Well, I don't know everything. <laughs> <laughs> but because of her situation with her back, you know, she can't do... Um, very much physically demanding, bending, lifting sorts of things, mm. which, you know, a lot of that involved in gardening. <laughs> yeah. So kind of how we, how we um, choose and oh, I don't know, I'm going to have to use what to you, how to use each other. Yeah. It's mm. as you have said before, it's very similar to our collaboration in music that our collaboration in the garden, um, we both play to our strengths and it, um, together we get the job done. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I guess we've, we've alluded to it a, a couple of times over the conversation, but Sabrina, you had a very bad back injury a couple of years ago. Can you quickly describe that? Yes, I broke my back. I fell off a balcony after going to see a violent femmes gig. <laughs> I was the That's violent not funny. <laughs> Oh, oh my god i fell off a balcony um it was terrible yeah so a lot of this is a big part of your healing journey as well oh absolutely mm. so i i went on you know for three years before ben's ex um diagnosis happened i broke my back three years before that so i i had embarked on a very deep healing journey of my own to repair and um understand how the body wants to heal itself and how to support that and um, work through the things that come that came up through that experience. It was a horrible experience, but it brought up all these amazing things that I got to learn and evolve and heal from. So, you know, out of the mud, put a seed in the mud, out of the darkness it grows and blooms into a beautiful flower. <laughs> or fruit and vegetables. Well, Edible yeah. food. <laughs> yeah, Ben, I just wanted to touch back on um, the, I guess, for me when I had my brain injury and we sound similar in that I actually really strongly identified with my intellect and the word-finding thing was a big thing for me and I guess that's how I showed my intellect. So when, when I guess, my brain, you know, after my brain injury, I, I mourn that loss of that not understanding that it was about actually developing the other parts of myself, so the emotional and the spiritual side, and that's really when my real recovery began, when I, I stopped identifying with the intellect and looked at healing, especially for a brain injury, in terms of everything. And, of course, I don't really care about that, doctors, as you've touched on before, but that's where my real journey became. So. I, you know, went on from. So I just wanted to know for you, how did how did that that go for you in terms of your healing and seeing it as more holistic rather than the than the actual intellect? Yeah, the the, the number one um, thing that typifies the whole experience is uh, the difference between my inner um world and just this little thing called word finding <laughs> where i am trying to find these little words but in my own head if i'm talking to myself there's absolute no change you know so we're, we're talking about 
um, um, something that, um, I, I mean, you know, I, I can't do it how I used to talk mm. before all this. So it's, it's really, really interesting that it happened to someone um, who really had quite uh, abilities in this area of talking and you know, it was part of my work. And Do you think like what Mel was saying, how mm. um, having to step away from identifying as, as your intellect being your superpower mm. and did that usher you into um, the, the healing aspects of your... No, what I'm sort of more getting to is that is that really there's virtually no change to my intellect at all. This is just this little thing called little word find. Yeah, that's um, kind of like... Do you um, think you've gone deeper into who you are and the way you live now? Because... Hmm. Um, I have changed a lot. Gee, I mean, I think that, like, there are conversations um, that I used to have before this all happened. Like, for example, the the issue of the D word, the the fact that all of us, including me, at some point uh, are going to die, <laughs> D-I-E. Um, the interesting thing is, is that having been uh, on the other side of this experience, to me, it's really not that big a deal. Um, we're all going to get there one day, but uh, I mean, I have my own experiences and beliefs about whether there is an existence beyond that. And in, it's, it's my belief. And if you're listening to this and you have a different belief, that's completely fine. But it's my belief and my experience that we go on. Uh, and we are, uh, we are little creatures that um, live one life to learn certain things. And then once that's finished, we are evolving into uh, uh, a new being and we're going to be somewhere else at a different time. Why I believe that and, you know, I can't prove it, but I have experiences that tell me that, that you know, that's... Uh, I think that's something that kind of we, you know, resonate together on because mm. I had some experiences when I was really young and then when we became friends, um, we were like, whoa, you, that happened to you and you think this? And I was like, yeah, wow, that's yeah. what I think too. And we kind of, like when we were in like the late 90s, early 2000s, um, and, you know, discovering spirit and, you know. Mm. 
quantum yeah. mechanics. But yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if we've actually ex uh, heretofore explained this situation <laughs> just very quickly with myself and Sabrina's relationship is that we were together in about 2004 until 2006. And then we got back together in 2018, 2018 till, till now. Um, so yes, as you were saying that, I was definitely recognizing that, uh, that thing that we share, uh, whether you call it spirituality and how that connects with music, well, that is definitely a, a big part of both our experience of, of living, I think for sure. So guys, a big part of our podcast is hope. You know, it's about going through the dark times and finding the lessons and finding the hope. It's been a traumatic time for you the last couple of years, but you seem to have a very positive outlook to things. What's some of the light? Where's the light? What have you sort of learned from this experience? Well, like Ben was just touching on then, I think the, the idea that we are limitless, where, you know, infinity is something we can grasp the concept of when it comes to we know that the edges of the universe are beyond what we even know feasibly can tell from science so far as we know it goes on into infinity and when you think about that and the the idea of us being a bunch of cells that come together that we are energy and that space is energy and that hang on we could be limitless well when things get really bloody hard use all those modalities of breathing meditation and everything like that to go come on just this is okay you're being pushed through this situation so that you can rise above it and learn something and and move through it and this isn't the definition of what your life is going to be this is just one moment in which to overcome that's how i try to manage it yeah i think uh you know um we've already done pretty um pretty good as far as i'm concerned uh, well, in my situation, we have already quite considerably beaten the time that, you know, people that has my little thingy are supposed to already have <laughs> had worse things to uh, happen. So um, we, uh, well, at least my intent is to be here for as, long as possible, you know, make some great music and, you know, have some laughs and make some great food. And especially to find joy in the things that you do each day. And remember that we are living right now and to be living right now and try and infuse right now with the energy of joy. That's why 
music and gardening and cooking and painting and creating. They're all things that bring us personally joy. Not to say that anybody else in this situation should do those things to help themselves do the things that bring you joy in each moment that like doing maths I don't know crosswords <laughs> who knows but making sure that we um you know bring an energy of joy and happiness into what we do even though we don't know what the outcome will be it's an unknown what's your hope for the future mm. um my hope well well, the only way I can really answer, you know, is, is that uh, my immediate thought is that I'm just, you know, a small part in this massive continuum uh, and um, I want our species <laughs> to succeed and grow and be a great big good force in in the universe and there'd be heaps more of us here to experience that um in the, in my situation and i think anyone who is in my situation the way that that now makes you look at my, my species our world that I was just strangely born into this weird year, 1976, to look at this world. And I guess, you know, we, as a species, we have a lot to achieve. We have a lot to do better, uh, but gee, look, at what we get to do, look at what we got to experience. It's unbelievable, really. That's all I've got is that's you know, pretty good then to, <laughs> to have lived and for it for it to be as long as possible. Because look, my situation is like this: I I could literally be gone in five days, or I could still be here in. 15 years that's my situation and i accept it i'm going to do the best that i can Ben, thanks so much for that very powerful words i think that's a great way for us to end tonight well i just want to say my hope oh sorry, sorry. I, I hope that people believe in the power of love and get to experience it fantastic yes guys mm. thank you so honestly, much ben and sabrina Thank you. We are so grateful for this opportunity too to get to talk and share. And um, yeah, so thank you guys for what you do as oh, well. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. We're going to share some notes on our social yep. media pages. On our show notes, you can check some links out to Sabrina Laurie and Ben Kirschwell. We can, we'll put some links to Bust and Move. And if you guys can send us some links around permaculture, and mm. that'd be fantastic share some information on that we'd love to keep in touch with you guys and see how things are going um we're about to throw to our 
outro music, same as our intro music, <laughs> produced and recorded and um, made by the wonderful Ben Kurzweil. So thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, guys. Goodbye, everyone. Well, Ben.